Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. We're going to start into a new series uh, today, and we're going to start into a series called a Giant Slayer. And I just believe, just want you to know in the first service when I said we're going to talk about being giant slayers, there was a couple people that cheered. You guys just, are you not excited that you actually are giant slayers? <laughs> no? All right. See, funny is I, I encourage you still in and mostly just laugh at me, not actually and still excited. Uh, but that's Okay. Hopefully by the end of the series, you are. So maybe we do need to start off with the question is this. My question for you as we start off this series is, who are you? Who are you? And as you think about that question for a moment, do you actually know who you are? Do you know who you are? When you you look in a mirror, do you know who's standing there? I know some of us were like, yeah, of course, it's me. It's, you know, it's Chad. When you look in the mirror, it's just Chad there. When you look in the mirror, it's just who I see. No, who are you? Maybe here, let's, let's do this. If you know the person sitting beside you, I don't want to make it too uncomfortable, but if you know the person sitting beside you, I want you to ask them, who am I? See, do they know who you are? Do they actually know who you are? Because see, here's the interesting thing is, do you know who God says you are? Do you actually know who God declares that you are? See, a lot of us, we might not know who God says we are. For some of us in the room, just so you're aware, God will call you son or call you daughter If you've asked Jesus into your life, you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. But a lot of us, here's the thing. How many of you know that you are a son or a daughter of God? Okay, so now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this question. How many of you live like it? Don't raise your hand on either side of that coin. But see, here's the question. Do you, we know that we are the son of God or the daughter of God, but do we live that way? Do you live as if you are a son or daughter of Christ? Do you understand what that means? Do you understand uh, who you are? I had a friend growing up, and he, we were the same age, we worked together for most of our teens, and I would pick him up every morning of the summer to drive to, there was a water park near where I grew up, and so we worked as uh, waterfront attendants. We weren't lifeguards, um, but we worked as lifeguards. Figured that one out. But anyway, um, so our official title, I think, was waterfront attenders or something like that. But I would pick him up every day, and I drove a Dodge Shadow. Does anybody remember a Dodge Shadow? Yeah, a few people. And if you don't remember, you're not missing out. Um, and so this was the first car that I ever had. Um, it was given to me, and so I was not complaining. It got me from point A to point B, and it got me to places uh, I should have went, places I shouldn't have went. Um, but this car, it was, it was nice. It was great. The problem was, 
it wasn't nice. And so my buddy, I picked him up every day, and we drove together every day. And we got to our early 20s, and he still didn't have his G1 yet. And every time, here's what you have to understand, every time I drove into his driveway, I would pull up beside another car that was parked there. And I would wait for him to come out, and he would come out and get my car, and I'd back out looking at this car, and we'd drive away. And finally, one time, I drove into his driveway, and I said to him, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah. Your brother drives that car. It's your parents' car, but your brother drives that car. Yep. So if you got your G2, would we be allowed to drive in that car? Oh, yeah. Why don't you have your G2? <laughs> Beside us, every time, was a Corvette Stingray. <laughs> if you don't know what car that is, it's nicer than a Dodge Shadow. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Not much. Like, it was, you know, my, depend, no, it was, it's way nicer. I think there's many of us in this room that live our lives driving a Dodge Shadow when we can be driving a Corvette. Because we know that we are sons and daughters of God, but we just don't live like it. Because here's what the Bible tells us. Romans 8, starting with verse 15, it says this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Understand, we talk about the fear of the Lord. That's an honor. That's a respect. That's a reverence for who he is. We're not afraid of him. We hold him in high regard. But here it says, we're not fearful like slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba father, daddy. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. This is who you are. You are sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters of God living a life following close to Jesus. Many of us, we don't live a way that God wants us to live. Many of us live in reference almost to the older brother from the lost son. If you remember the parable that Jesus told, he talks about this lost son, as many of us will know, the prodigal son who uh, took his inheritance and went and ran away and, and spent it on everything and drugs, rock and roll and all that kind of stuff and he just partied it up and then finally he hit rock bottom and then he comes all the way back home. And all he's thinking is, man, maybe my father will just take me as a slave, as a servant. And as he gets close, it's interesting, the scripture tells us that the father is watching for him. Do you know what that lets me know? The father watched every day. And the interesting thing is the father didn't see him coming and stand there and wait for him to come crawling back. No, it says he ran to him. And ran to him, wrapped his arms around him, put a uh, robe on him, put the ring back on his finger, put sandals on his feet, killed the fatted calf, and they threw a party. And as they're partying and celebrating that the son has come home, what happens? I almost fell over. I'm okay. Don't know exactly what happened there, but I'm good. The son, the oldest son, gets a little bit closer to the house and he begins to hear music begins to hear celebration. Now, you have to understand, we always talk about the prodigal son, and we talk about the son who took his inheritance and ran. 
and him coming back to the Lord. But if you look in the context of the story, most of this story comes down to the older brother. It's a great story about a prodigal son and how God will forgive and welcome you back, but the story is actually connected to the older brother more. Why? Because the Pharisees are questioning. And so the older brother gets close and finds out, the servant comes close, he goes, what's going on? Sounds like there's a party at the house. Sounds like dad invited the DJ. And the servant goes, oh, your brother came home. We're having a party. You should come. No. So the dad finds out his oldest son is upset. So he comes out to his oldest son. Why don't you come in? He gets mad. He's like, Dad, I didn't take money. I didn't throw away what you've given us. I'm still here. I have been working this whole time. I am still a part of this family, and you have never celebrated me. And this is where I think many of us can get to with Jesus sometimes. And here's what the father responded. Luke 15, 31. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. Everything that God has is yours. Everything that you have or that you need he has for you. Now, here's the neat thing. Our Heavenly Father is a loving Father, and so He has everything that you need. Not necessarily everything you want. And why? Well, He's a good dad. My kids ask me for stuff all the time, and one of my favorite answers is no. <laughs> why? Sometimes probably because I'm cheap. Other times, because I'm a good dad. And just because my kids want it doesn't mean it's good for them. Just as the same as this. Just because you want something doesn't mean it's good for you. I know as we get older and more mature that we are supposed to understand God's will and we only ask for stuff that he would want us to have. So therefore, we're confused when we don't have it. But if we're honest... If we're honest, it's not true. I'd love to know what that comment was. Tell me later. But if we're honest, we know it's not true. Because if we're all honest as adults, if you have prayed for something and you got it, how many of you know it doesn't take too long before you're asking for something else? Right? If we're honest... Lord, if we just, you know, if, we just, if I just had this, then I'd be able to do more things for you. And all of a sudden you get it and you realize, Lord, if I just had this, I would be able to do more things for you. A lot of us, the older we get, we still ask the same questions as kids. And so he has things for us, but not everything we need. Or sorry, not everything we want, but what we need. And our identity should be in him. Our identity needs to be with the Father. So who do you see when you look in the mirror? Who are you? Do you really know who you are? Do you know who God has called you to be? Do you know what he has spoken to you? 
See, sometimes I think when we're trying to find and follow the direction of God, there's times where we make it too complicated. There are things that you should pray about. There's things that you should not move until he tells you to move. But there are some things that God just wants you to keep going. He, he gives you wisdom. He gives you knowledge. And here's this verse is my favorite. As I try to follow God and follow his direction, it says this in Isaiah 30, 21. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. You know what's nice about this? When I'm trying to make a decision in my life, there are times where God says, go, make a decision. If you go left, I'm going to be there with you. If you go right, I'm going to be there with you. Now, hear me. If you're about to get married or you're trying to figure out who your spouse is, don't think, hey, if I turn left, no big deal. If I turn right, no big deal. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> All right? There are some decisions you need to know. If you as a family, as a couple, are you thinking about moving and all of a sudden one spouse is like, we're going to move to this city. I would not put the house up for sale or buy a house without the other spouse going, I think that's what God wants. I would be together. Understand, there are some balances here. But here's my honest heart when it comes to, like, for students. Students are trying to figure out, where am I going to go to university? Where does God want me to be? I honestly do truly believe there's times where God doesn't care what school you go to as long as you serve God when you're there. See, here's the thing. You could get hit by lightning, and it could leave the logo on your leg of the university you're supposed to go to. And it's like, whoa, I guess I'm supposed to go there. But if you go there and don't serve God then that's not God's will. He cares more whether you serve him. Honestly, it's true, my true heart, than where you go to school. But Chad, what if my spouse is at a certain school? He'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. I knew I was supposed to go to Bible college when I was seven years old. When I graduated high school, I was not living like I could go to Bible college. It took me four to five years to get to Bible college. At the time I got to Bible college, my wife graduated and left Bible college. You want to know something neat? When she was in Bible college, she would not have liked me at all. It's true. You were not looking, I, I won't say what you were looking for. You were looking for something different than this. And she promised herself she would not marry somebody in Bible college. And so the Lord let her graduate and then marry somebody who was in Bible college. <laughs> See how he worked it all out? Turn left, turn right. It's still going to work out. Now, he wants you to serve him. But you need to know who you are. Some of us wrestle with who we are and we try to figure it out. And you try to figure it out so much that you don't move. One of the best ways to figure out who you are with God is just to show up when he opens a door. One of the best things we need to do whenever to follow him is we just need to continue to show up wherever he directs us. What do you mean show up? I mean show up. So if he's directed you to do something, if he's directed you to a job, and you're like, well, I don't even know if this is the job I'm supposed to have. Do you have another one? If you don't have another one, this is the one you're supposed to have. And don't leave that one until you have another one. Yeah, but this job sucks. Well, better than no job. 
And if you show up, and what do I mean show up? Show up every day, work hard, learn what you're supposed to learn, learn more. Why? Because he's teaching you. He's training you. He's showing you. See, some of us, we continue to seek after what God has, but we don't seek after the opportunities he's providing. So what promise has God given you? What are you believing for? What dream has he placed in your heart? Or what dream or vision have you actually seen for your life? This is where there's times in your life where I believe that we need to have friends or a spouse or somebody in our life that's close enough to us that we share dreams with. Oh, I believe this is what God's called me to do. Why? So Chad, we can brag about it? No, not to brag about it. You want to know why? Because there are days and weeks and times where my wife will remind me of the things God has promised me. Why? Because I need to remind myself. And there's times where she will pull it out of me. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And not in a, like, hey, why haven't you taken out the trash? I'm talking about spiritual things. And she encourages me and reminds me of the things that God has called me to. And we need people in our lives to do this. I want to talk, we're going to talk about David as we walk through this series. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, 1 Samuel 16. The verses are not on the screen. Uh, 1 Samuel uh, 16. And we're going to read through a little bit of scripture this morning. But I want to talk to you for a minute about David and what we're going to read through. But a couple of my favorite people in the Bible, David's one of them, but Joseph is the other one. See, we have to realize, Joseph went through his life with dreams. You have to realize, Joseph woke up one morning and said, I had a dream last night that my brothers were all around me, and I had different illustrations and stuff, but basically his family bowed down to him. I don't know about you, those are dreams you keep to yourself. Just throwing it out there. Then he said he had a second dream where now it's his whole family and his parents are bowing down to him. So he is now living life on this dream and he gets sold as a slave. I don't know about you, but there are dreams I have that God has placed in my heart, and I don't always understand the road. But Joseph is sold as a slave, and all of a sudden he ends up in a house, and he's looking after this place, and his boss is right top near Pharaoh. And he becomes one, like he comes so good at running this guy's house. That it says in scripture that the owner of the home only knows what's on his table. He trusts him with everything else. I don't know about you, but here's the way my brain works. If I'm Joseph, I'm going, okay, God, I didn't understand the whole getting like beaten and thrown into a well by my brothers. And then I don't understand the whole getting sold as a slave. But I follow you now. I'm here. Pharaoh's going to find out how great of a job I'm going to do. And he wants to hire me out of this house to his house. And that's how I'm going to get to the point where the dream is fulfilled. I see what you're doing, God. I'm good now. Thank you. Whoa! What just happened? I'm in prison. That was not the path that I saw it was happening. I don't know about you. Somewhere along these, it's over 20 years. How many of you still holding on to promises? Over those 20 years, Joseph had to start wondering if he had some bad sushi one night before he went to bed and if his dreams were accurate or not. But he stayed faithful. And what we learn through his whole journey, his whole life, is everything that he learned helped him to be a leader. 
It took him where he needed to be. Now, Joseph was going off a dream. I want to talk to you about David, who had more than a dream. Some of us were holding on to dreams, and that's good. And Joseph's journey was tough because you're trying to, I'm sure there's times where he's like, okay, I believe this, I believe that, but man, I just don't see this. Now I want to read to you David. Because David's life is what stands out to me. Because David didn't, wasn't living on a dream. He was living with an anointing. 1 Samuel, 16, uh, 1 Samuel 16, starting at verse 1, it says this, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? This is right after now uh, Saul has sinned, he disobeyed, and God has rejected him as king, and now they're looking for a new king. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Before he leaves, before David even knows who Samuel is, Samuel, or God has chosen him to be king. Here's the thing, before you have your dream, before you're anointed, God has it all set out. God has it already planned. He already knows what's going to happen. Your place, what you have been called to, you were defined before you were born. He set you apart. He anointed you. Continue down in verse 6. Now the whole, all the families there, they're ready to sacrifice. Starting in verse 6, it says, Then they came, he looked at Elam, and thought, Surely... The Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or on the height of his stature. Thank you, Jesus. Because I have rejected him, for the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. How many of you are so thankful that God looks at the heart? I believe there's many of us in this room, we've disqualified ourselves from what God has called us to. Because when we look in the mirror, we look with physical eyes. So I know my own personal faults. I know who I am. I know the mistakes that I have made. I know the thoughts that I think. I know the things that I will say. And I know what God has called me to. And there's times where I'm like, God, I, just don't, I don't see how it clicks. I told you before, as, as a young person growing up, I took special um, ed classes to learn, to, take, to learn how to speak properly, and even sometimes it's still challenging. But with my high school teachers and my public school teachers ever learned that I stand in front of people every week and talk, they would be shocked. So when we look in a mirror, we can't look with human eyes. You have to look with the eyes of the Lord. You have to look at people's hearts. You might even look through this room and go, I don't understand how God's using this person because of their heart. God cares more about your heart. He wants to know what your heart is look like. And too often do we eliminate ourselves because of what we think instead of who God calls us to be. Verse 11 goes on to say, then Samuel said to Jesse, 
Are all your sons here? He just went through all of his boys. All of them. Are all of your sons here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit until he comes. And he sent him and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed onto David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Rahim. In front of his brothers, in front of his family, David is anointed as king. The boy who was forgotten. The boy who the whole family went, well, it's not him. And then what does David do? Samuel leaves. David goes back to the sheep. He goes right back to where he was. Now see, here's where I get confused. Joseph is trying to figure out a dream. So God, what's your timing on this? I'm not sure. Was I right? Did I have bad sushi? Was it bad pizza? There was two dreams there, so I can't have bad food two nights in a row. Like, what's going on here? Trying to figure it out. David has zero to figure out. Zero. The prophet, the man of God, anoints him with oil to be king. Anoints him with oil. And what does David do next? He goes back to the sheep. What happens as you continue to read in chapter 16? Saul is beginning to be tormented by a spirit. And as he's being tormented by the spirit, they are smart enough to go, hey, you know what will get rid of this spirit? Worship. Worship. You ever having a rough day? You're having a tough time in your house? Put on some worship music. Fill your house with worship. And so what do they do? They need to find somebody who can play an instrument skillfully. So they go get David. They they, one person's like, hey, there's this kid, son of Jesse, play a mean harp. And so they bring him in, and he starts playing. And as he's playing, as he's worshiping, the evil spirit leaves. And so he does such a good job that as he's going back and forth, Saul makes him his armor bearer. He stays right close to Saul. He gets connected with the family a bit. As you go into chapter 17... You begin to see that the Israelites are now at war with the Philistines, and David is back home. If you look at verse 15, he's back home helping his dad. And as he's doing this, what you have to realize is they're there for a long time. I don't know the period between when he's anointed until now. I do know this. Goliath came out 40 days. So that's over a month. I'm going to tack on a few months in there for the whole tormenting and learning how to play the harp and get rid of the demons and all this kind of stuff to this point here. It might even be a year or so. I don't know. But I just know this. If I was anointed with oil by the prophet to not be the next king, but to be the king of Israel, 40 days is long enough. Anybody else? Right? If somebody says to you, hey, you're promoted, you're the next CEO. Beautiful. When? Eh, we don't know. We can't get the other guy to leave his office. (laughs) Right? So David, he's doing this. He's going back and forth, back and forth. Now he's with the sheep again. And then here's what happens. 1 Samuel 17, verse 17 says this. One day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread 
and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how, how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David, anointed as king, is now asked to go deliver some food to his brothers by his father, and all of these men didn't think he was even worthy enough to invite to the sacrifice. So here's David coming now to deliver this stuff. He's anointed. There is no question to who he is supposed to be. And he's asked to deliver some food. David goes to Saul after hearing Goliath and he says, let me fight this guy. They've been there for 40 days and every time Goliath comes out, it says the Israelites ran and hid in caves. And David comes and he's like, let me fight him. I will do it. Now you have to understand, David has zero military training. All of the men, his brothers would have went through some training. All that Saul knows is this. He can play the harp. Now, no disrespect to any musicians in the room, but most musicians do not scream UFC fighters. All right? Most don't. Okay? And that's no disrespect, but when I see a musician, I don't think most times that this guy, like, is the guy I'm going to send for my country to represent us in one fight. You have to realize, what's going on in these battles, these wars, the Philistine and the Israelites are on two different sides, and they send... Uh, Philistines are sending out their biggest champion because here's how they did it. They fought with swords and spears. So to save hundreds, if not thousands of lives, what they would do is this. I'll put my best against your best. Whoever wins, wins the whole war and will, the loser has to be the servants. That's how they did it. It was just, so Goliath is out there. This boy is huge. He's like nine feet, almost 10 feet tall, about 300, 400 pounds. He's solid. Like, I think his spear, I don't remember, it weighed like 200 pounds, 100 pounds. Like, this guy's a monster. And he's out there yelling at all these men, and they're running and hiding. Here's this boy that walks up and goes, I'll fight him. And all we know is he plays a harp. Right? Like, this is all we know about this guy. Now, here's the thing. David had a normal job like most of us. He would just look after the sheep. I know there's not many sheep people here, but we all have normal jobs. And so this is all David had, normal job. But through his normal job, there was a couple times where he had, to, he had to kill a bear. Okay, he had to kill a bear. And then all of a sudden, he had to kill a lion. And so there was some of his regular day, normal day life that actually trained him and prepared him for this. See, do you know, in your job, as we talked about earlier, if you show up, God's actually preparing you for what he's calling you to. But here is the thing that David needs to realize. As he was preparing, he didn't know when God would open the door for him. And how humbling was it for him to come to this place to deliver cheese and, sh- and some bread and some grains. So what promise has God given you? What are you believing for? What dream has he placed in your heart? What dream or vision have you seen for your life? 
Are you believing that every day is a training day? Because see, here's what David didn't realize. It was today. It was this day that he would go from an unknown shepherd boy who played a harp to a nationally renowned war hero like that. And how did he get there? Not because he was king. He got there because he said he would deliver cheese. Not lactose intolerant, are you? There you go. Is God asking you to deliver some cheese? What if he asked you to do something that would humble you to the fact that you're like, do you know what God has called me to? Do these people not know who I am? And they want me to take some cheese? Does this church not know who I am? Do they know, know what school I went to and what studying I went to? Sorry, Pastor Carl desperately asked me between services to bring him one. <laughs> Does this church not know how many Bible verses I have memorized? And they want me to serve cheese? Whatever your cheese might be. What if, what if David didn't, what if he didn't deliver the cheese? Have you ever thought about this? I know we read the Bible and we think all the time, like, oh, I know the ending. He kills Goliath. In the non-Scundic school version, he cuts his head off. Some kids are like, he what? <laughs> Welcome to main church. What if he wasn't there? Have you ever read the Bible going, these people made decisions? What if David looked at his dad and goes, Dad, my brothers laughed at me. They didn't even think I should be at that sacrifice. And matter of fact, Dad, you didn't even think I was supposed to be there. And now you want me to take them bread? Let them get their own bread, Dad. I'm the king of Israel. But because he humbled himself and just did what was asked and took the bread, he showed up. He showed up. And when he showed up, God opened a door. That even in that moment, people thought, I don't know if this is the right kid to fight a full-grown man. And David goes, kills Goliath. I always ask myself these questions as I'm reading scripture. What if he chose not to go? What if he, as we read in 1 Samuel again, one day Jesse said to David, take these baskets of roasted grain, these 10 loaves of bread, carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captains. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. No. I don't want to. It doesn't fit in my schedule.
What if he said no? Here's what makes me nervous. I don't ever want to say no to an opportunity that God provides for me because I don't know what door he's opened for me. And just because I'm willing to humble myself and serve some cheese, I don't know if that door is going to open for me to slay the giant that he's called me to slay, to elevate me to a platform that he has asked me to take, not one that I want. Understand this, David didn't go looking to be king. He was called to be king. And as we continue through this series, you're going to see the journey it took. But you have to ask yourself this morning, what is God asking you to do? Where is he asking you to serve? Where is he asking you maybe to humble yourself? Because see, God opens doors. He will promote you when the time is right. You just need to be there when the time is right. And so what's he asking you to do? Where is he asking you to serve? And are you willing to serve where he needs you over where you want? Are you willing to deliver some cheese? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you continue to speak to us and encourage us. Lord, help us to see the path that you have for us. Help us to understand that, Lord, you are gracious. If we turn left, you're there. If we turn right, you're there. And that, Lord, you're going to lead us the rest of our lives. And so help us, Father, to see every day as a training day. And that, Lord, you're continually promoting us and pushing us and growing us. And so help us, Father, to follow you. Help us to serve you. And, Lord, let us be a light for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.